The text for the sermon this afternoon is the Word of God as the church has summarized and confessed it in Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You find that beginning on page 540 in the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 26 has as heading Holy Baptism, and here the church confesses, how does Holy Baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing, and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul that is all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism, where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated, where Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. And after the proclamation of God's word, we will respond by singing together Psalm 103, the stanzas 4, 5, and 7. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, in Lord's Day 25, we confess that through the sacraments, the Lord our God is directing our attention to one thing specifically, and that is the promise of the gospel. That promise is that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the complete forgiveness of all our sins. So anytime we see with our eyes the simple elements of the sacrament being used, our mind should not remain on those elements that we can see. The focus in the sacraments is not bread, it's not wine, and it's not water. Our focus is directed to the greater spiritual truth about what our Savior has accomplished for us in our place. And as we begin to consider what Scripture teaches about the sacrament of baptism, and we really need to focus on what lies behind that visible sign. Because when we do that, we are presented with an absolutely amazing truth. We are presented with the very character of our God, 
that he is a God who is filled with compassion and grace. He is a God who's willing to forgive. He is a God who is filled with mercy. And it's especially that last attribute that we just mentioned. It's going to have our attention this afternoon. We will consider the fact that in baptism, God shows himself to be a merciful God in every way. Through baptism, he teaches us how he deals with our sins of the past. And he also teaches us how he encourages us going forward in a life of thankfulness. And so I proclaim to you the word of God under the following theme. Through baptism, God testifies of his mercy. And we'll see that he does so, first of all, in forgiving sin. And secondly, in encouraging against sin. Now, as we read through Lord's Day 26 just a moment ago, perhaps you are struck by what is perhaps best called the dominant word in this Lord's Day. It's the word wash, or even washing by extension. You find it no less than ten times throughout the three questions and answers. And by using that language so often, the Catechism is really directing our attention to the basic teaching contained in the sacrament. However, when you think about baptism, and in the terms of it being a washing, there's actually both a positive and a negative side that comes out. In the first place, by saying that baptism is a washing, then we are actually confessing we are dirty. We're confessing that we need to be made clean, that we have mud and dirt that makes us impure, and of course, we're not referring to literal mud and dirt, but in baptism, we're referring to our sin. Or as the Catechism puts it even more strongly at the end of answer 69, there's the impurity of my soul that is all my sin. And that forces us to go deeper. Because what we're saying is that there's not just a thin layer of sin on top of us, there's not just a little sin here and there that needs to be washed away. No, we're confessing that we are dirty through and through, right to the very core of our being. Sin is not just an external problem that affects our actions and our words. Sin is also an internal problem. It affects our heart, our will, our mind, every last part of us. And so we don't just need a surface washing quickly. We need a washing that extends to and penetrates to every last part of us. So in that sense, baptism is our humiliation. Baptism confirms to us the reality that we by ourselves are dirty. After all, People who are clean don't need to be washed. And you notice that our adopted form for the baptism of infants picks up on this language of our confession. Close to that, be the beginning of that form, we read these well-known words. This is what the immersion in or the sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls. Notice the same language is used there as in the catechism. 
It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. The first thing baptism is teaching us is that we are unclean. We need a washing. But it's also teaching us that because our impurity goes through every part of who we are, we can't just wash ourselves either. We can't just go to a tap and wash away the impurity of our soul like we go to a tap and wash away the dirt that clings to our body at the end of another day. Now, with baptism, we confess that we are forced to look elsewhere for the washing we need, outside of ourselves. Baptism is our humiliation because with it, we confess that we, in effect, are helpless. We're so dirty through and through that we need to be washed by someone else, someone much greater than us. Our baptism reminds us that if we want to enter the kingdom of God, then we rely fully on God's mercy. We rely on the provision of the washing that God himself gives to us. So that's the negative aspect. We're dirty, we're sinful, we're unclean. However, there is, of course, the positive side at the same time. For in baptism, we see the visual sign and seal of the gospel. We see the promise of God that just as water washes dirt from the body, and we know that to be true, we see it for ourselves, so certainly the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ wash away the impurity of my soul. Answer 69. Brothers and sisters, notice the personal language that's used here. We are confessing that the blood of Christ washes away my sins, the impurity of my soul. This is not just a generic promise that Christ is making to a nameless or faceless person without any identity. This is the promise that Christ makes to you as an individual. Just think of what happened when you were baptized. True, most of us can't remember that particular moment since we were only little infants. Baptism was something that we received by the mercy of God before we could understand anything. But back when you were baptized, God put his seal on you individually. Your name was used. God put his mark of ownership on your forehead. He gave you the promise of washing in the blood of Christ you were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with that, you were baptized into everything that God is. You received the promise of all the goodness that God provides throughout this life and in the life to come. Just think of the promises that we read about in the form each time. They're promises that speak of our adoption as children by the Father, our redemption in the blood of God the Son, 
the renewing work of God, the Holy Spirit. They all speak about God. They all speak about God's mercy. And they were all given to you. We need to think about baptism in that way. It's administered in a specific context, namely here in the worship service, the meeting between God and His covenant people. But the promises in baptism are given to specific individuals. And yet at the same time, all believers present are reminded that they too at one time received those gracious promises of the triune God. So the corporate and the individual, rather than working against each other, they actually work hand in hand. They work together. And the confession that we have before us in Lord's Day 26, it is the confession of the believer. It's the response of one who's acting in faith, remembering that God in His grace has in fact given that promise of the washing away of sins through the blood of Christ. It's the confession that God in His mercy, He's remembered those promises He made. And He's done exactly what He promised to do. And with that, we think of the words of our scripture reading in Isaiah 63. In the opening verse that we read there, we have the reflection on the character of the Lord. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that He has granted them according to His compassion, according to the abundance of His steadfast love. So when we use the sacrament of baptism by think of, thinking about it, that's actually the first thing we're thinking about. It's reflecting on God's character. It's reflecting on how God has dealt with us out of that character. It's recalling the steadfast love of the Lord, the God who established His covenant of grace with us. And it's because of His steadfast love that He remembers His mercy and He remains faithful to His promises. All His promises including the promise of our Savior that just as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly His blood and Spirit wash away the impurity of my soul that is all my sins. Being true and eternal God, the Lord Jesus Christ cannot forget and He cannot ignore the promises He's made. Being true and eternal God, He remains faithful and he remains true. It's through his precious blood alone that we have the washing away of all our sins. And brothers and sisters, that is a great encouragement for each one of us. To be able to reflect back on our past, think about everything that's happened, everything we've done, but above it all to remember God's covenant promises. In times of affliction, tribulation, especially in times where we are caught in sin, forced once again to humble ourselves before God and confess just how much we need that washing away of our sins, but then to always, every time, have the certainty that those sins are in fact washed away. It's also what we read about in Isaiah, 
The people of Israel, God's covenant people, they had rebelled against the God who had shown them his mercy so many times. As a result, God had become their enemy. He had disciplined them just as he promised to do. But what do the people do when they're confronted with the horrible reality of their sin and the punishment as a result? Well, we read about that in verse 15 to the end. They don't try to argue their way out of this situation. They don't try to say, well, God's just being unfair and he's not dealing with us as he promised. No, we read the response of faith. They look back into their past as the nation of Israel and they claim once again the mercy of God. In prayer, they remind God that he is their father and their redeemer. And what it all comes down to is they are reminding God of the promise that he made to his people. Through Abraham, Israel was the chosen people of God. They'd received all the covenant promises, and now they're claiming those promises that God made to them. And they acknowledge, yes, Abraham does not know us. They've strayed from the faith of their fathers. But in contrast with the people's unfaithfulness, their sin, their rebellion, their constant wickedness, there's always God's faithfulness. There is always God's mercy shown to his people in the past and always available to his people in the present who live by faith. And that's what God remembers as well. We also read of that in Isaiah 63, verse 11 and following. In those verses, there's one specific event that's recalled. It's the fact that God in the days of old brought his people through the Red Sea. Many of us know that account very well. Through the water of the Red Sea, God, in mercy, brought his people deliverance. At the same time, through the water of the Red Sea, God brought judgment upon the Egyptians. And it's a nice account that we have in Scripture, but there is much more to it because we acknowledge that in that particular event, baptism was signified. The water of baptism is our Red Sea through which we must pass to escape the tyranny of Pharaoh that is the devil and escape into the spiritual land of Canaan. And we're not just making that up either. That's what we have in Belgic Confession, Article 34. Just as Israel passing through the Red Sea was meant to constantly remind them about God's mercy to them, so our baptism is meant to constantly remind us about God's mercy to us. Because it's through baptism that we have the assurance and the confirmation that we have an eternal covenant with God. We belong to Him. We have received the gracious promises of God and His mercy, promises that do not ever disappear. So as we go forward, as we're forced to further acknowledge the horrible reality of our sin, the disgusting impurity of our souls, brothers and sisters, we have every reason for joy. And it's all because of God's mercy. It's because he placed his name, his sign on our foreheads. He claimed us as his own. Baptism is a testimony 
to what God promises, including the washing away of all our sins in the blood of Christ. Baptism confirms that for those who believe, they belong to Jesus Christ, and they will forever receive exactly what the triune God has promised to them. Then, brothers and sisters, notice how at the end of answer 69, our confession uses one other small word to assure us of God's mercy. When we speak about the washing away of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are speaking about a complete washing. Jesus Christ, by his blood, washes away all our sins. He doesn't leave a few that we have to look after ourselves, that we have to pay for ourselves. He doesn't say that there are certain sins beyond his ability to forgive. He doesn't say that there are certain sins that his blood can only partially deal with. No, the promise of God in his mercy is that when we are washed with the blood of his son, we receive the complete forgiveness of all our sins. There is nothing left. They're all done away with, swept away as far as the east is from the west, hurled into the depths of the sea, never to be seen again. That's God's merciful promise to us. The washing we receive through the blood of Christ in faith, it's a complete and thorough washing. With that washing, there is no spot or stain that is left. With the washing we receive in Christ, we are left blameless and innocent. We're left holy in the sight of God. Certainly, baptism reminds us of our humiliation. It doesn't allow us to just escape or ignore the horrible reality of our sin. Thinking about our baptism, being reminded about our baptism, it makes sure that we don't avoid speaking about our natural sinful condition. But baptism is not only about our humiliation. It is also and especially about God's mercy because it testifies to us again and again and again that he has provided the washing we need. He has given us his only son so that through his sacrifice on the cross we might be fully washed in his blood. We might be reassured that all our sin is paid for, all our guilt and our impurity is forgiven, all because of God's tender mercy. mercy of God. It's shown not only in the fact that he gives the washing away of all our sins, but also that he encourages against sin going forward. It's because we're not only washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, but we're also washed in the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's a point raised in all three questions and answers of Lord's Day 26. You find it at the end of answer 69, described in further detail in answer 70, and also at the end of answer 71, 
The promise of Christ to wash us in his spirit is echoed where scripture calls baptism the washing of rebirth and the washing away of sins. Now, anytime we hear about rebirth, we are automatically directed to the work of the Holy Spirit that he does in us and for us. The Spirit is the one who gives us a new beginning. We read this very clearly in the account of Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3. There Jesus speaks about the work of the Spirit. And he tells Nicodemus, as we read in verse 3, that unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the power of sin stain. It requires that a person get a complete restart, a brand new beginning. It's also what we acknowledge in the form for baptism again. We cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. The words of John 3 are very clearly echoed. So while the blood of Jesus Christ removes our sin and guilt, the washing of the Holy Spirit is what gives us the brand new beginning that we need. Now, brothers and sisters, it is amazing to think about the fact that every last one of our sins is forgiven. They're washed away. They're done. They're forgotten. That alone is a reason to give thanks to God and rejoice. But what if we would stop there? Where would that leave us? The honest answer is that we would still not be left in a very good place. Having been washed clean by the blood of Christ, but nothing beyond that, it would mean that there remains in us only a constant desire to go and get dirty again. We would be like young children after they've been washed with water by their parents. The children don't think about how to stay clean, how to avoid getting dirty. They right away want to go out and play again, even if it means getting covered in mud. They don't think twice about it. it never crosses their mind. Well, that's us without the washing of the Holy Spirit. Without that washing, we have no desire to fight against sin. Instead, we go right back to it. Without that washing of the Spirit, we don't even care if we make ourselves dirty and polluted with even more sin. Without the washing of the Holy Spirit, then nothing really changes. having been washed by the Spirit leads to a very different attitude on the part of the believer. Because the Holy Spirit gives that new beginning, that new life, that renewal, there is a desire to go forward and more and more to flee from sin. Yes, it's through the washing of the Holy Spirit there is that increasing desire in us to avoid sin, to stay clean, and again, we see the mercy of our God coming out. Because he knows the natural state that we have. He knows that of ourselves we are totally depraved and we would go back to sin each and every time. And therefore, he takes the initiative. He sends the Holy Spirit to work that change in us so that we begin to realize that being dirty is something to avoid. It's something to flee from. And yet the catechism is also very realistic. 
Comfort acknowledges that though there is this growing desire in us, it's not something that's perfected in this life. To be renewed by the Holy Spirit, according to answer 70, means that we more and more become dead to sin. It's a process that's taking place, a process that is making progress, but is not yet completed. Just because we have been baptized, that doesn't mean we've reached the final goal. There still remains work to be done. Baptism does not mean that you are currently at the end of the race of faith. Rather, it propels you forward on the right path. It's the constant reminder of God's mercy. He purchased you. You belong to Him. And now you're to walk in His ways, cleaving to Him with heart, soul, and mind, loving Him, and leading a God-fearing life. That's encouragement against sin. Because not only is there that promise in baptism, there's also the obligation. And that's what baptism reminds us of continually. And being washed by that Spirit of Jesus Christ means that the Holy Spirit promises that He is going to continue guiding you on that path. He's going to continue that process of constant renewal until it does finally reach its completion. And yes, again, that is a great comfort for us. Because if left to ourselves, we wouldn't complete it. There'd be no growth in us. Without the Spirit's work, we would right away go back to that old way of life under the tyranny of the evil one. Because that is our default position. But because of that work of renewal that's ongoing in us, it also means that there will be moments of frustration. There will be times of groaning, longing to be freed from the body of sin. There remains that difficult daily battle of crucifying the old nature and fighting against sin. And we know all too well that this is a battle in which we will fall time and again. same temptation that we struggled against yesterday, it's still there today. It will be there tomorrow. The sin that we committed yesterday, and we promised that we were never going to commit that sin again because we were so upset by it, that same sin comes up again today and the next day. But it seems to cause us to think that nothing changes. That's not because of a problem with the Spirit's work. It's because we by ourselves are so incredibly weak. And the more we are confronted with our own weakness and our own shortcomings, the more frustrated and discouraged we actually get. We come to the point where we wonder, what's the point of it all? Why bother fighting? Why not just give in because I'm going to lose the battle anyways? Those ways of thinking very quickly enter our mind. However, there is something that can break through those negative patterns. There's something that motivates us. It lifts us up above our frustrations and our disappointments when it comes to our seeming lack of progress. And that one thing, it actually has nothing to do with us. The one thing that can encourage us each and every time 
It is God's mercy. It is this very mercy that is confirmed in the sacrament of baptism. It's a mercy that we read about in the form for baptism as well. The truth is God knows that we are only dust. God knows that we struggle against sin. God knows that we get frustrated with ourselves. God knows that we can say so many negative things to ourselves. But that's what we say. The bigger question is, what does God say? God in baptism says to us, if we sometimes through weakness fall into sins, that is those daily sins of weakness, do not despair of God's mercy nor continue in sin. Because baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. So on the one hand, brothers and sisters, do not despair of God's mercy because our sin does not cancel out God's mercy. In grace, God has provided the means of forgiveness in the covenant relationship he established. He provided the mediator of the new covenant, Jesus Christ, the one through whom there is the forgiveness of sins. But then there's also that constant encouragement against sin. Do not continue in sin. Because baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Baptism is a continual reminder that God in His grace has marked us as His own. And that is also the encouragement never to be satisfied with where we're at in our life of gratitude before the Lord. Not one of us has reached the final point. Not one of us is perfect. Remember, baptism reminds us that we need a washing Baptism reminds us of our obligation to increasingly love the God of our salvation, to more and more grow in that life of thankfulness. Through baptism, we are reminded that we belong to Him, both in body and soul, both in life and death. We've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what our baptism should remind us about every last time we think back on it. And when you think about it from that perspective, what a powerful encouragement God gives us in our daily battle against sin. He reminds us that we don't have to despair. But we should also not think of sin lightly. He reminds us of the great cost that had to be paid and that was paid so that we might have that washing away of all our sins. God reminds us that he has washed us not only in the blood of Christ, but also the spirit of Christ. In his mercy, God has given us a new life, a new beginning. And it's by the work of the Holy Spirit that we are made heartily willing and ready from now on to live for God. Most of us will probably recognize those words as coming to us from Lord's Day 1. Well-known words. Many people also here can probably recite Lord's Day 1 off by heart. But how are those comforting words of Lord's Day 1 confirmed? How do you know they are true for you? It's in your baptism. Because that's where God confirms the promise of the gospel to you. That's where God confirms his promise that he is our father and our redeemer, just as he was for the people of Israel according to Isaiah 63 verse 17. It's in your baptism. God confirms to you that your sin is washed away, that through the Spirit you are being renewed. 
It's in your baptism. God confirms that, his prom- that this promised renewal will be brought to its eventual completion and that eventually the daily battle against sin will be ended. It's in baptism. God promises that his mercy, shown to us right at the very beginning of our life, before we even knew what mercy was, before we even knew what was happening, that same mercy will be carried all the way to the end when we reach the assembly of God's elect and life eternal. And that is something amazing to think about. The promises that God extends to us in his grace and mercy for us, they are so comforting, they are so encouraging every day again. But there's something even more about them. Because our washing in the blood and spirit of Christ, brothers and sisters, it's not primarily about us. Certainly we benefit greatly, but there is something that is even more important. It is all about the increase of the glory of God's name. Because that is where everything is meant to point. As we rejoice in the merciful promises of God confirmed in baptism, we give glory to the God who has saved us by his grace. We proclaim the glory of his awesome name, and we start to do so more and more now because that is exactly what the assembly of the elect and life eternal will do as well. That assembly, of which we are part of through faith, it will be focused on praising God perfectly and forever giving glory to him always for the wonders of his salvation. It will be assembly about praising the Lamb who bought us and washed us with his blood. Yes, the great assembly, the Catholic church of all ages and places, they will together lift up their voices and they will sing those words of Revelation 5 verse 13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Amen.